0: Steve Jackson Games for Nordcast number 5 December 1st, 2006
1: the Nordcast, 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 Nordcast.
0: Welcome back, Nord fans. It's time for episode 5. Coming up, we get Steve's thoughts on Luca a wrap-up of some of the games we played on Halloween, the second installment of Munchkin Theater, and we have another special guest of an order, Stephen S. Long. First segment, the second half of our Essen coverage with Paul.
2: We are on Skype with Jan Hendricks. Jan was one of our MIBs on the ground at Essen this year, and uh, we're chatting with him to find out a little bit of the uh, gamer's eye view of what Essen was like. So first, Jan... Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, I'm, I'm Jan Hendricks. I'm from uh, the Netherlands. And I'm uh, the Northern Europe uh, Regional Director for the MRB, also known as uh, The Nerd. Normally, I'm a uh, programmer for an insurance company. And I uh, play test and demo for Jackson games and for PS games and sometimes for packages in Germany.
2: I guess it's not hard to imagine, but how exactly did you get first involved in Essen? Uh,
3: the first time I went there was uh, because I'm a gamer, and and uh, Spiel is, well, it's, it's huge. Uh, you hear things, uh, legends, stories, and we went there to see if we could get uh, some new items, some new games. I went there two years in, in a row, and then I, then I stopped for for some time. Uh, And then when I became involved with the MIB and Pegasus Spieler started to translate the German edition, uh, I started to go back there and started to demo for Pegasus Spieler at Essen. And I've been doing that now for, I think, three or four years now.
2: What did you do at Essen this year?
3: I demoed a lot, uh, especially uh, the German edition of Munchkin Impossible, Normal Munchkin, and uh, Killer Bunnies. Uh, Which they translated as uh, killer kaninkel (laughs) Which I like I like the sound of it And uh, I did a lot of shopping uh, Lots of uh, looking around And uh, we did the uh, Open German championships uh, For Munchkin and the uh, European Munchkin Championships, which were uh, really fun.
2: You've obviously been involved with Essen for a number of years. You've been to Gen Con at least once, because that's where we first met. How are the two
3: different? Um, okay, well, let's start f- first f- with uh, what they have uh, in common, and that's about the size of the floors. Um, but that's also where the difference starts because uh in uh, at genkon uh a lot of space is reserved for games uh you've got a large uh, hall with uh, for the card games a large hall for war games and several for car, uh, for board games and role playing games at essen uh it's only traders only traders and publishers and you can Get demos, or you can play, but it's only at the booths. So there's no real area reserved for games. It's it, it is a traders convention, and also at at uh, GenCon it well it starts on on uh, Thursday and it ends on Sunday, and it it will go uh, 24 hours a day for the entire convention. The Spiel opens at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. It closes at seven. And at night, there's nothing actually to do. Uh, people normally, uh, they will go home, and some will return the next day. Uh, and some just visited for, for one day and will not return.
2: How many people attended this year?
3: This year, I'm, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I haven't seen uh, any numbers for, th- for this year. Uh, last year, they reported a total of 160,000 people. I think that attendance this year was a bit lower because normally they organize the convention in uh, the week when the uh, schools in Germany have their holidays and uh, this year they were one week off which meant that on the uh, Thursday and Friday attendance was quite slow for uh, ESSA that is so I I think about 30,000 people each day uh, and on Saturday, it, uh, because everyone was free, it was immensely busy. It was actually so busy that um, basically the lines of, uh, to get in started at the uh, central station in Essen, where uh, the platforms for the subway uh, were so incredibly busy uh, that it became dangerous, and they had to close the uh, the entrance to the subway. Um, And each time a train left, they would um, let some people onto the platforms again. So I think that on the Saturday, it's, it's well, 70,000 people, I think, would have uh, visited. That's an amazing number.
2: So did everything run smoothly?
3: Yes, yes. Well, most people that uh, go to Spiel actually uh, are familiar with with, uh, uh, the number of people that are on the floor, so they know that that the Saturday, especially the Saturday, uh, is very busy, and that the walking pages is actually uh, shuffling along, and the 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 sales booths at, uh, uh, where you can buy your tickets to get in, it, they're very well organized. Um, I ac- actually haven't seen that much of the 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 uh, uh, of the number of people on the floor on the Saturday because. Uh, uh, we were busy with the tournaments, so that's 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 the benefit of of planning your uh, uh, tournaments on the busiest day of the uh, of the convention, so you don't have to bother with all the crowds. So it's it's always uh, a pleasure uh, being at the booth uh, of the of of and uh, the lots of volunteers, uh, both the MIB and the Packages, uh volunteers. Uh, it's, It's fun.
2: Pretty much every other podcast has mentioned Battle Lore. Did you get a chance to see it? What do you think?
3: Uh, I did see it. I didn't manage to play it, but I saw it. Uh, I even saw a a painted set, and I'm really excited about it. It it looks fabulous. It looks uh, more complex than uh, the other variations, like Memoir and uh, Battle Cry and Commands and Colors. And uh, the Deja Vonder booth was const- constantly filled up with people doing demos. They had about, I think, 10 tables uh, with uh, Battlelord demos. So it, it looks very, very good.
2: Well, speaking of things that looked very, very good, how about the Munchkin tournament? Was much fun had by all?
3: Uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun. It's uh, for the German uh, championships. Uh, what, the, uh, what they actually do is they have a program called the Munchkin Crusade, uh, which means that uh, during the year they organize uh, tournaments at uh, local conventions. And the winner of tournament uh, qualifies for the uh, final rounds at Spiel for the German Championships. Uh, furthermore, on the days leading up to the uh, finals, they also have some qualifying rounds where people can qualify. Um, so it's hard to actually give a number of people that were involved in the uh, championships. Uh, but on the Saturday itself, we had about, I think, some 20 people for the uh, championships. Uh, we did some uh, semi finals. And we went into the finals uh, round with eight people. Uh, and in the finals, uh, you know, the finals were 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 fun. It's it's uh, Germans are very enthusiastic about uh, munchkin, and, and, and they will actually do anything to win. And, uh, there were a lot, lot of uh, bookmarks uh, being torn up, uh, and, and 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 that's all always fun because people all over the the, the the convention are actually well, uh, near the booths uh, uh stop and stare at uh, at the people doing the uh, bookmark dance. Uh the, the German championships were uh this year won by uh, Colin hein He's from France and in, uh, now lives in Vienna Austria. So that's a so that's a bit international. Uh, the uh, European Championships, uh, we didn't know how many people would visit. But at the end, uh, we had uh, uh, about 13 or 14 players, I think. It's, uh, we had uh, six Germans, uh, two Swedes, two Belgians, uh, one Dutchman, one guy from Switzerland and one from France. Uh, the, uh, that was the, actually the German champion. Uh, we played uh, semifinals and then a finals and, and Christian Horen from uh, Germany uh, won the first ever European championships.
2: Well, it sounds like there are just a ton of German Munchkin players, European Munchkin players in general. So it doesn't really surprise me that Pegasus Spiel has just gone crazy with the Munchkin stuff. They actually managed to get Munchkin Impossible out before the English-language version. And they've got that awesome Sammler box. Um, you've seen one of them. What can you tell us about them?
3: Uh, well, the Sammler box, it's, uh, or the collector box, it's it's it looks very good. It's a wooden box. Uh, it's got a sliding panel at the top. Uh, in which uh, the uh, Treasure uh, pile logo is burned in and the sides are, have got the, the uh, Munchkin logo uh, burned in uh, the box itself uh, has got a couple of slots uh, six of the slots uh, are big enough to contain a Munchkin core game and six more uh, smaller slots uh, are big enough to contain uh, one expansion set then there is one large slot which can accommodate uh, a lot of bookmarks and uh, a set of uh, munchkin dice uh, currently the the uh, box I've got uh, now contains all the American sets that have been published including munchkin 3, 3.5 so that uh, would total to about 1,800 cards um, when munchkin possible is released uh, I would have to take out uh, half of the uh, dice get that set in as well so at the maximum I think you can store about uh, 2000 wow, that's a
2: cool box I hope we get a, a sample
3: here in Austin pretty
2: soon I know that uh, there's a batch coming from wherever they're uh, manufactured heading towards Germany now, and then there'll be a couple headed this way. So, looking forward to getting my hands on that. That's all the time we've got today. Thank you so much, Jan, for your perspectives on uh, Essen and European Munchkin playing in general. And we look forward to hearing from you again, well, at the very latest, next year for uh, Essen but uh, we'll probably talk to
4: you before then. A password file from Gotham City talks back to the kumquat.
0: At the beginning of November, Steve went to Italy for the Luca Comics and Games Show. They were celebrating the 20th anniversary of GURPS, and he was the official gaming guest of honor. You've been to other European cons. What do you think sets Luca apart? It's huge. It
5: had 85,000 people this year. Um, More were there for comics than for games, but the game part of the show was enormous. The convention has been running for 40 years, it's a really big deal. The town of Lucca even has a museum set up now for comics.
0: We got Crom's opinion on South American gamers a few months ago. How do you think the Italians compare to American gamers?
5: Well, it's very strange and very different. They all speak Italian. (laughs) Other than that, they're like gamers. Uh, No big differences. Uh, uh, Italian gaming community right now is very heavy into LARP though there were more LARP groups and more LARP sales weapons and armor and things like that than I have ever seen in one place before it was really it was really something lots of people going around in costume cosplay both for comics and for games we had lots of people dressing up as Final Fantasy characters and running around with those huge swords. What did you get to do as the official gaming guest of honor? Lots of presentations. Uh, the one that I enjoyed most was a two-hour seminar on board game design. I've done this talk a couple of places before, and this time it was for an audience of about 20 Italian gaming journalists and members of the game design community and it went really well there were some good questions and i have to add some notes to my outline for the next time i do it based on the points they raised and lots of autographs it was fantastic and what did you think of the 20th anniversary gURPS display well what they did was set up basically a museum exhibit on gURPS they had Oh, 50 or 60 different items, and every one had a little label explaining how it fit into the whole GURPS thing, when it had been done, who the authors were. It was really impressive.
0: In this episode, we also have Jan Hendricks, one of our European MIB, talking about Germans and Munchkin. What's going on with Italian Munchkin?
5: Munchkin in Italian was flying off the table. The Italian publisher is Raven Distribution, And when I was in their booth for a signing at one point, uh, they turned around and said, "Okay, that's it. We just sold the last copy of Munchkin. And I said, that's great. Uh, And they said, and that was our third printing. So it's, it's flying off the shelves. The other games are going well, too. At the convention, they released their translation of Shea Geek and it won the best card game of the year award for the show. Uh, the way the LUCA awards work, uh, they're, they're juried, and the jury can look at things that haven't been released yet as long as they're going to come out at the show, and that was what happened. So you spoke some,
0: you signed lots of autographs. Did you actually get to play anything?
5: Yeah, I got into a couple of demo games, watched a lot more, but I actually did get to roll the dice a little bit.
0: What was the coolest thing you saw at the entire convention?
5: Wow. In some ways, the con itself was the coolest thing. The Most of the con is in tents. Uh, they set up these heavy-duty metal-framed tents outside in the various town squares and along the boulevards. Uh, It was just really, really interesting. The only events that were in regular buildings for this whole 85,000-person convention were the award ceremonies and things like that. The dealer's areas and the gaming is all in these big tents. Um, What else is neat? Miniatures painting. Uh, Miniatures seem to be on an upswing in Italy. They have some new miniatures companies there that I hadn't encountered before and I saw lots of really beautifully painted stuff.
0: And we can't let you go without telling us about food and tourism. We saw the pictures you posted from that museum on the Daily Illuminator.
5: Food, yes. Uh, I ate way too much the whole time I was there and if I ever go back, I'll do it again. Spaghetti with truffles. Mm. And visited well, let's see, did Tourist stuff all around the town of Lucca, which is a really neat, beautiful little place. It still has its uh, Renaissance-era earthen walls. Um, Went to Pisa, saw the Leaning Tower, went to Florence, saw a lot of things, but had only one day in Florence, and you could spend a month doing Florence. So maybe someday I'll get back.
0: And we'll be sure to bring you in and ask you all about it. Ciao,
4: baby.
5: The spider from Alpha Complex will go to the bathroom.
0: Munchkin Theater returns this episode. On Halloween, we played a lot of games, and we recorded one of them. At the table, a half-breed werewolf vampire, a mummy, a changeling, and one of our human employees playing Munchkin Bites.
5: I opened the spooky door. Ow!
6: Luckily, I'm wearing anti-spike Kevlar. I look for trouble. I'm fighting the fruit bats. Does my maniac minion run away? He thinks about it, but... My luck of the day comes through. Wait a second. Vampire werewolves don't have that power. <coughs> Cheater! You want some of this, Mr. Toilet Paper? I didn't think so. These bats are weak. I kill them. No, you don't. There are also aluminum bats. <coughs> One bats, two. That's three bats. Ah, ah, ah. I need some help here, anyway.
1: I'll help,
5: and now all the bats are fluffy!
6: We're waiting again! Until the vampire hunter wanders in.
5: I'll have to throw my fairy dust and graveyard mold at her!
6: And then you notice she's corrupted.
5: <coughs> and again, dead!
6: Invisible. Invisible. Invisible! Curse you all! I escape in the fall
1: of mist!
2: Poland is deadly and the beer bottle is dehydrated
0: We finish up episode 5 with our Halloween game day You saw the post on the Illuminator with the costumes and the Game of Descent A lot of other stuff happened and we realize you guys don't work at places That will let you just come in and play games all day for Halloween So we'll let you live vicariously through us a little bit So my name is Nicholas Fosick And my name is Randy Schooneman
6: and uh, we're here to talk about the games that we played on Halloween. One of which was Descent: Journeys in the Dark.
7: Descent rocks. It's a great game. It's uh, it is a great game. It's a great game, but it's a little expensive. It's more like retails for eighty bucks. Yes, but you get a
6: lot of components when you buy the box.
7: You you do. You get a um, metric boatload of <laughs> miniatures.
6: Descent. For me, the most interesting thing about Descent is, is actually all the components you get in the box, both the miniatures and the snap-together map tiles. To me, the most exciting part about it is looking at those map tiles and thinking of the uses that I could come up with for them uh, outside of the game.
7: That is, that is uh, in fact, not the most exciting part of the game for me. <laughs> I actually prefer playing the game and having a the good fact,
6: time. The fact that you get a really fun, playable game... Uh, along with all the great components inside the box, is, is bonus.
7: It, it can run long if, if you have a lot of strategery in your play group. I was the overlord and I killed the crap out of all the other guys. They they just got smoked. That's
6: right. The game we played, Randy owned us all in like the first couple turns.
7: That gets me a big old moo ha ha. <laughs> it was sweet.
6: We also played Star Wars Epic Duels and it's cool. It is. It's short, sweet, simple. The games play fast.
7: And you get to choose your little character and play like you're in the movie, but you're not really because movies aren't real.
6: (laughs) (laughs) What, What Star Wars Epic Duels is is a combination board game, card game. Each of the players picks a character from the Star Wars universe.
7: So you get, like, a little play card, and it's... It includes
6: Uh, a main character and possibly um, secondary. One of the
7: characters is like the Emperor and two of his Royal Guards. If your second character isn't some main guy or some almost main guy, then it's two random little stormtroopers or Republican guards.
6: You draw cards from a deck each turn, and the cards that are in your deck define all the moves you can do and give each of the characters their uniqueness. Popular consensus is that Han is the best, but I think... Personally, I like the Emperor the most of all the ones I've played so far. One of his moves is like a let go of your hatred or something. I don't know what it's called. But it forces an opponent to discard their entire hand. And that's really
7: it's powerful. Uh, what we call overpowered <laughs> is what we call that one. <laughs> this is actually a game that if you, if you think, oh, this is sweet, I want to go try it, it's one you're not going to find on the store shelves or in these warehouses. You're going to have to pretty much eBay it or beat up a friend and take theirs. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it, it's not a hex map. <laughs> Must have a hex map.
6: It's a square map, but I don't think that detracts too much from the exceeding no. simplicity of the the rules and how it plays.
1: Hi, this is Fox. This is Shadlin. This is Thomas. And we're here to talk about bell-bottomed badasses on the mean streets of funk. Which is too cool of a game to have that lame of an intro, but that's what we're going to have to work with, people. We played this on our Halloween game day. This was the first time that Fox and I had played it. Thomas owns it and is a fanatic. The object of the game is that you're trying to build a movie uh, before everybody else in the game builds the exact same movie, and whoever has the most points wins it's full of blaxploitive humor uh, at, its, at its absolute finest, if such a thing can really exist <laughs> without um, becoming a tish offensive. But, you know, hey. Oh, yeah, Blockus came up? Blockus. Is uh, that the Tetris-y one? Yes. Yes, I love Blockus. It's got a lot of blocks in it, but in any case, you guys played it more than I did, so you blather on. I've been blathering too much for everybody. Blockus is a game where you have a whole bunch of Tetris-like pieces Uh, And you have to get rid of them all before everybody else does. You're playing them to a big square grid that they kind of snap to. Yeah, and you can only touch them corner to corner. And, I mean, it's basically just a uh, a strategy game. It's like go or... uh, It's like go only. It doesn't take 48 hours to play. That too. The fantastic thing about Blockus is that there are so few rules that they are completely written up on the back of the box. This makes it a very good game to play with casual gamers or even non-gamers. On Halloween game day, we were actually able to get one of our accountants to sit down and play Blockus with us, and she had a great time. Blockus is awesome, and uh, it really carries anybody. It's got, the, it's got that kind of Othello quality, like she was saying. It's a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. And I know this because I learned it very quickly, and I still really suck at it. I thought the best thing about Blockus is that I tend to win. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I hate you <laughs> so much. We brought in a copy of Epic Duels as well, but you've already heard about that. They already talked about it. But it's a good game. You just, you can't go wrong with Epic Duels. There's, it's not possible. It only gets better the more house rules you add to it. You know, like, all those maps we have in Frag are, like, excellent for Epic Duels. So are most of the floor plans. Any of, any of the floor plans. Phil Reed's actually the one who introduced that around the company, uh, pulling out our floor plans to play Epic Duels on. Yeah, he thinks he's so special. He thought of everything first. I'm watching you, Phil Reed. <laughs>
4: Hi my name is Jimmy and uh, on the Halloween game day this year uh, I played Descent Journeys into the Dark. Uh, It's a pretty long game but it's fun. It's basically a dungeon crawl where you've got up to four players playing the adventuring party and one player being the evil overlord. Uh, This time around I got to be the evil overlord. So basically there you get to be the bad guy or the GM. You control all the monsters and the traps that are going to be going off and your goal is to kill the players enough times that they lose all their victory tokens and you win main thing i did is i tried to just delay them long enough because every turn the uh, overlord pulls in more threat tokens and the more you can stockpile on those the nastier things you can do to them later so they thought they were doing pretty good for a while uh... and then about halfway through it started to really catch up with them it's fun you do have to as the gm uh, be patient, because the player's turn can take a while while they strategize and make plans and argue with each other about who's going where and going first and who's in the way of whose bow shot at the monsters and that sort of thing. Uh, but there's also some comedy there in sitting back and watching all of that, uh, knowing that you know there's something about to come around the corner behind them and it's going to uh, ruin all those plans. Uh, overall, the game is uh, pretty balanced. Uh, it's dependent on the scenario and character mix that you have. The first time we tried it, uh, we just randomly dealt out one character to each person, and with the scenario that we had, it didn't work out real, really well. We had four archers, and we needed someone who could hit really hard. The way we worked around that is we dealt two to everybody and let them pick the one they wanted. That round went a lot better. Overall, it's a long game, uh, but it's fun. It's very replayable um, because you've got you know several scenarios that come with it in the book, and a large mix of characters. And there's also a free online uh, scenario builders that you can get, that you can build your own scenarios with and uh, print that out and bring it to the table with you and set up your scenario that way. Uh, But all in all, it's a good way to kill about four or five hours or so.
2: You guys know me. I'm Paul. I'm the marketing guy. For the Halloween game day, I somehow managed to play just one single game all darn day, which kind of sucked, but um, the game was cool. Uh, and I did enjoy playing it, Uh, it was Battle Ball by Milton Bradley. It bills itself as a sci-fi football game, really it's more like rugby, and it's very luck-based. You have your characters and each character is color-coded to a certain size of die. You roll the die for both movement and tackling. If you roll high when you move, that's good because you get to move more squares but when you tackle someone you want to roll low because the low score wins in tackles. So you can see the mechanic there the fast but weak players get to roll something like a d20 and these slow but powerful tackle characters get to roll like a d6. Uh, I think we played two rounds, Alex and I, in about 45 minutes. It is a very quick little game uh, and pretty darn cheap too. I actually went out and picked up a copy off from Amazon. Um, it, it came out originally for twenty bucks, and nowadays you can find it for like five or ten. It's got pre-painted minis, cool dice, lots of variant rules.
0: It's a cool game. Episode five is history. Episode six is coming at you before the end of December if we can keep that computer melting ninja out of the studio. Keep your comments and questions coming in the FenordCast thread on the forums or to FenordCast at sjgames.com. As always, this is a production of Steve Jackson Games, all our music composed and performed by Tom Smith.